Church, please remain standing for a reading of God's word. Tonight we'll be reading Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit and its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Amen. If you have a Bible, please open back up there to Psalm 1. We're going to spend the next three Wednesday nights uh, looking at this psalm. And uh, we're going to take our time with it and just walk through it and see what the Lord speaks to us. I, uh, how many of you were able to be here Sunday, this past Sunday. Yeah, it was just an amazing time. If you were not here, please go back and listen to the sermon. It wasn't my sermon. Uh, it was uh, Dr. Shane Stanford was with us. Just an amazing testimony of God's faithfulness. It's just amazing. So please, um, if you want a blessing, go back and listen to that. As we open up here in Psalm 1, I think about there's, you know, a reality that we all live with, and that reality is uh, every one of us knows of things in our life that we would, we, we would rather change, we would like to change. Uh, there are uh, things in our life that we know we need to improve on. There are things in our life that we know do not reflect the image of Christ. And if we're, we're not aware of those things, then it means there's at least some measure of kind of self-deception going on or at least self-denial going on within us. And it's always good to know and be aware, we call it self-awareness these days, it's always good to know and be aware, you know, of those areas in our life that, that, that God is working on and molding us and shaping us to look like Christ. But sometimes we get to that place where we don't believe that it's ever going to change. Or we even look at circumstances in life and we don't think that's ever going to change. Sometimes it's something in us, sometimes it's something outside of us, but we all maybe get to those points in time when we just wonder, is this ever going to change? Am I ever going to be able to live differently than what I do right now? You know, we are about to start Advent. That's the start of the Christian New Year. So the Christian New Year starts this Sunday. How are you going to live differently this year? How are you going to live differently this year than you did last year? How are you going to live differently this year than you have any other year? And we have to remember that the work of God in our life is holistic. It is absolutely holistic. We try to compartmentalize it. We become modern-day Gnostics many times. We just kind of compartmentalize our religion to some spiritual stuff that we do. But our faith and the work of God in our life, it is holistic. Yes, it is spiritual. Yes, it is emotional. Yes, it is physical. Yes, it is mental. Yes, it is relational. And yes, it is even material. Our, God's work in our life even affects us to the point in how we relate to the material world around us. Are we enslaved to it or not? It's holistic. And so the question is, how are we going to live differently going into next year than we have any other year before? 
Because the other option is we just say, well, I'll never change. I'll always be the same. But you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. In both covenants, both Old Covenant, Old Testament, and New Covenant, God lays before the people two ways to live in both of them. In both of them. Of course, the book of Hebrews tells us that the old covenant is now obsolete. We now have the new covenant found in Jesus. But in both covenants, the, the invitation is issued. There are two ways you can live. Go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30, real quick. In Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 11, notice what God says here. Deuteronomy 30, 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that uh, you would say, who should go over the sea and, uh, for us and bring it to us that we should hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Verse 15, see I have set today, set before you today, life and good, death and evil. If, if, verse 16 says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I command you today by loving the Lord your God and walking in his ways and keeping his commandments, his statutes and rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you. Notice that. Bless you. See that in Psalm 1. Will bless you in the land that you are entering and, and uh, to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear and you draw away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. So when God is instituting the old covenant, he lays out before the people, there are two ways for you to live. One is life, one is death. One is good, one is evil. He says, he says, are you willing to love the Lord your God? Are you willing to walk in his ways, keep his commands, statutes, and rules? You say, what are the difference in those? Well, remember, there are three parts to the law, right? There's a ceremonial law that governed worship, rituals in the temple. There's the moral law, and then there's also civil law. So when he says commands, statutes, and rules, the commands are the moral character commands, the moral law. Whenever he says statutes, he's talking about the ceremonial statutes. And whenever he says rules, he's talking about civil rules. And so God is laying this before the people and he's saying, it's your choice. There's two ways to live. We see the same thing in the New Testament. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to come back to Matthew chapter 7 as we go through Psalm 1 a lot because of the parallels there. In many ways, Jesus is expounding on Psalm 1 in Matthew 7. But in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus lays the two ways out. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. That's one way. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. There's the other way. And those who find it are few. It's Jesus' way of saying exactly what God said in Deuteronomy 30. But in both covenants, God lays out 
There are two ways to live, and that's exactly what we see in Psalm 1. It starts with the word blessed. Blessed. Blessed is the man or woman. It means both in Hebrew there. But blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Whenever we come to that word blessed, we have to understand there are two dimensions to this word. There's an inward, it means something inwardly, and it also means something outwardly. The inward part of what it means is things like joy, contentment, peace, satisfaction, fulfillment, even calmness. This is the invisible hand of God at work in our life, working internally in us. But there's also, also the observable hand of God at work too, because blessed also means things like provision, prosperity in the healthy sense, and then also protection. It means the favor of God resting upon you. So the word blessed, again, it has these two sides to it. There's the invisible hand of God moving and working in your life internally, but there's also the visible hand, the observable hand of God, what's called his right hand throughout Scripture, also putting favor on your life as well. But these two dimensions also have kind of two functions because to be blessed is not just a selfish thing. It's not just a me thing. Whenever the Bible talks about being a blessed person, it always means, yes, God's blessings on you and for you and to you, but it also means God's blessings through you. So the things that you receive from God, take calmness, for example, is also a gift you give to other people. Things like provision that you receive from God is also something you do for other people. You see how this works. So blessed is never just me, I'm blessed, it's all about me, and it's what God does for me, and it's what God does in me, it's what God does over me. No, no, no. It's always to me so that it can be through me. God blessed Abraham, why? To be a blessing, right? So this first word is very important. I think that we understand it. It's both internal and external. It's the invisible hand of God working internally in us. It is the observable hand of God resting over us. And this kind of blessedness, though, is a gift. It is a gift. We have to understand that. We don't earn it. It's a gift. But it is a gift within the if-then covenant of God. And this is where people start getting really nervous, okay? Because it's not something, I'm not talking about earning in one sense, But there is a way, Scripture is very clear on this, there is a way of life that God can bless. And there is a way of life that God cannot bless. Please hear me. A lot of times we say, oh, you know, God, He's in heaven. We kind of make Him into like a benevolent genie in heaven. No, no, no. There's a way of life that God is able to bless. And there are ways of life that God is not going to bless. There are two ways to live. Over and over, he says this. Over and over, he makes this clear. So it's one thing for God to have blessings for you all the time. And it's another thing for God to be able to bless you all the time. You say, 
I'm not sure about that. Okay, well, let's just listen to Jesus for a moment. So, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. We love verse 32. It says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? Oh, we love that. Verse 31. So, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. That's the context. If you, notice if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And those are the ones who will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If then. John 15. John 15, verse 10. Jesus says, he's talking about the vine, the branches. John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, notice if. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Again, if then. How about 1 John 2, 3? By this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commands. So whenever I say this blessedness is a gift, it is a gift under the if-then covenant of God. Both covenants are that way, by the way. Both of them. But it is a gift and it is a gift of grace because we don't deserve it. But there's a way of life God can bless. There's a way of life God will not bless. Also, again, remember, this is an inward and an outward reality. And both of these are needed because both of these, in many ways, are evidence to you, to you, that you are walking in his ways. And I am in no way saying that it means that we will never go through hardship. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The, the very fact that you would need something like calmness or contentment means that there's something going on around you that would produce the opposite of calmness and contentment. All right? So a lot of times in our mind, this just gets reduced down to everything goes my way. That is not true. It's exactly when things don't go your way that you need God to show up in powerful ways, and he does that proving himself to you. So, so please don't think. Again, this is not some prosperity, mushy stuff. There's actually this kind of mushy religion that's taking over American Christianity. It's kind of this pseudo-Calvinism that's actually anti-gospel, if I can be honest with you. It just, you know, God's going to, you know, make everything right. And if something didn't go right, then I'm going to get mad at God. People, that's happening all the time. Jesus said the narrow road is going to be hard because abiding in his word is hard. Because abiding in his love is hard. Not to mention some people aren't going to like it. So again, this is not some kind of works righteousness. The question is, am I blessable? What I mean by that, again, not prosperity, what I mean by that is am I living a life that is not grieving the Holy Spirit in me? That's the question. That's your question. That's my question. Am I going to live today? Am I going to live tomorrow in such a way that I'm not going to grieve the Holy Spirit in me because the Holy Spirit is the resurrection life in me? It is the means by which God brings every other blessing into my life. 
And again, sometimes we just try to separate ourselves from this. Well, God will do what God will do. You know, God kind of loves everybody and all that stuff. The question is, am I a blessed person? Am I blessable? Am I walking in a certain way? That's what Scripture calls us to. Most of the time, we want religion just to make us feel good about where we are right now. But it's a call to walk differently. And you see the progression. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's two progressions there. The first one is the image of walking, standing, sitting. We see that one. It's actually a digression, right? It's a digression of movement or of growth, digression, you know, in the kind of, uh, whenever you're talking about it in like oratory terms, you know, you leave your main subject. Or regression, some people call it, returning to a former or less developed state. It's moving from walking to just standing to just sitting. The point is, is that when wickedness is our source, there will never be flourishing. That's the point David is making. The second progression that we see is around wicked, sinners, scoffers. Wickedness, sinners, scoffers. Whenever he talks about wickedness here, he's talking about a condition of the heart. A wicked person, you can go to places like Isaiah 5, 20, 21. A wicked person is someone who calls good evil and evil good. Someone who reverses the moral standards of God. Tell me that ain't happening today. Sinners, that word has to do with desires that lead to actions. It's not necessarily a sin to desire something or to think a thought, right? No, we take every thought captive. When it arises, we take it captive. It surrenders to Christ. But it's desires that lead to actions. It's what sin does, what sin is. But then the result of that, the result of that is being a scoffer, he says. Being a scoffer. A scoffer is someone who is unable to see any good in the world. Someone who is unable to see God at all. You ever met someone and you talk about God and there's not even a hint, a hint of awareness that it could be possibly true that there is a God who created all this. I mean, we can't even get to deism, right? So wickedness is a state of the heart we call good, evil, and evil, good. And then out of that wicked heart, there are desires that rise up that we act on. And then we get to the point where we're so calloused that we're unable to see good or God. And good would be the manifestation of God around us. Now, here's something about the days we live in today. Go to 2 Peter 3. That's toward the back. Actually, let's just start in verse 1. 2 Peter 3, verse 1. 2 Peter 3, 1 says, This is now the second letter. That's why it's called 2 Peter. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets 
and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. Notice that language there. Verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Do you see that? Wickedness, sinners, scoffers. Sinner being desires that lead to actions. The result is scoffing. But notice Peter says here that in last days, which you and I are in, by the way, it's going to increase. It's going to increase all around us. So we shouldn't be surprised that as we're living in the last days, that started at Pentecost, by the way, as we're living in the last days, that scoffing people be unable to see God or any good in the world or any good in other people or, any, or God moving in other people, totally blind to it, that's going to increase, Peter says. Now, this wasn't just Peter. Go over a few books to the little book of Jude. It's the one right before Revelation. Jude doesn't have chapters. It just has verses. It's short, very short, 25 verses. So look at Jude 17. It says, but remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, same language as Peter, they said to you, quote, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions, same way of saying sinful desires. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So both Peter and Jude tell us that there are going to be people who go down this road of digression, who go down this road of walking, standing, sitting, wickedness, sinners, scoffers, that that is just going to increase all around us. So that should give us hope that as we live in the world, and it seems that atheism is on the rise, yes, so is, so is real, authentic, robust Christianity all around the world. We just need God to pour some out here in America. Yeah? But while atheism, while scoffing is on the rise, so is the real thing as well. It's no longer socially acceptable just to be a Christian. Right? Was at one time, but not now. This because the rise of atheism, but also the rise of real robust Christianity, that divide is becoming clearer and clearer. COVID, in many ways, uh, changed the church. You kind of, for some people, not all, but for some, you got a really good glimpse of who was playing church. And you got a glimpse of those who are going down this road of digression. In many ways, it's sad, but in many ways, it's encouraging. People used to say, I hear people say all the time, you know, I had some friends who lived in Vermont. They say, if you live in Vermont, you have a, you know, Christian fish on your car, you're like a real Christian, you know? It's like, you don't just do that up there culturally, and it's becoming that way everywhere. But again, there's these two ways to live. Scoffing is on the rise. People walking that road, yes, it's on the rise, but there's another way to live. There is another way to live. There's a way to live a blessed life. 
There's a way to live as a blessed man, a blessed woman, a way that God puts his hand upon you. It does not mean you will not go through things, but it does mean that God will bless in amazing, powerful, miraculous ways. You want to know what that life looks like? You want to know? Good. You're probably going to have to come back next week. But here's where I want to end tonight. I didn't get through everything I wanted to talk about. But here's where I want to end tonight. I want to end with us just taking a moment to pray. Jared, come up here and, uh, if you don't mind. And I just want to take a moment to pray. And, and just for you to ask the simple question, Lord, which way am I living? Which road am I really on? Which one am I really on? Let's just start there. It's, it's Lord, am I walking in such a way that you can bless the kind of life I'm living? It's even possible. He's not going to bless wickedness. He's not going to bless evil. I don't care how well hidden we keep it. Can you even bless me? Or am I walking a road that's just going down? Am I moving toward becoming a scoffer, having just such a hard heart towards you? You you may say, you know, Chris, you know, we we drove all the way here on a Wednesday night. Surely we love God. Well, okay. Okay. But what trajectory are you on? That's my question. Where are you really at? You know, people don't fall overnight. Not how it works. It's a trajectory. So which one are you really buying into? What what way are you really walking? I mean, really. we, We do a really good job of trying to present to the world around us an image of ourselves. We even have filters for it these days. We, we do. We try to present an image. And God just sees right through that. So what I'd like to do in the you know, few minutes we have left uh, is just sit for a moment in His presence. And just ask Him, which road am I on? Which way am I walking? Am I even blessable? Can you bless the kind of life I'm living right now? I say this all the time. You know, it's, uh, we say, oh, I love God. I love God. But then we don't worship. I love God, but we don't pray. I love God, we never read His Word. I love God. You may be lying to yourself. I love God, don't give. I love God, don't serve. Really? How's it going? Let's pray for a moment. Well, right now, all hearts are open before you. All of our minds are open before you. Everything, everything. You see everything. And Lord, I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for me. Lord, I, I, want, to, I want to be a person who Psalm 1 describes as blessed. 
and all that comes with that. Not to earn something from you, but to walk a road of life with you. And Lord, would you forgive us for kind of wanting a relationship with you on our terms? And instead, would you incline our heart back to you in such a way that we just say, say Lord, we want to walk the path that you have for us. We don't want to create the path. You've created the path. We don't want to create our own commandments. You, you've given those to us. We, will, we don't want to define love the way we want to define it. You've defined it for us. So Lord, I just want to follow you. So Lord, would you just give us a holy moment here tonight? Let us not have self-deception and denial going on. And let us just give to you what we need to give to you. Just give it to Him. Just be honest with Him. I think it's a good time to dismiss. If you want to dismiss, if you want to stay, you can stay. It's fine. If you want to get a friend and go talk or pray, please do. Well, I had a whole lot more I wanted to say tonight. I thought it was really good. But I think the Lord uh, has us in this place with this question before us. And again, please know if uh, when we come together as the church, we need God to come down. We don't need to move through a progression of order of worship. We need God to come down. And I think the Lord has met with us tonight. Feel free to stay as long as you'd like. If you leave, most of us will. It's okay. Please do so quietly. Uh, Jared's going to play for just a few minutes as we dismiss. But let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for not letting us go. Thank you for not leaving us in that easy, comfortable state, walking through the wide gate. Thank you, Lord. And as we leave tonight, we leave once again staring at a fork in the road with choices to make. May we choose life. May we choose good. May we choose you. Let us choose you. Let it be so, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and majestic name, and everybody said, Amen.